You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold. He's Mike Fratello, former head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies, now with the Los Angeles Clippers, Cleveland Cavaliers doing television. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Your adventures continue as the regular season winds down, sir. What's on the agenda here as you close it out? Hoping that we can get a second team now to qualify for the playoffs since the Cavaliers have already locked up uh, that position and now hoping that the Clippers will be able to do the same thing. They're in a little bit more of a precarious situation right now. The Western Conference with eight games, nine games remaining for the teams is, as you know, Jeff, just incredible. I don't know if I've seen a race involving this many teams where a three-game losing streak can take you from home court advantage to right out of the playoffs, never mind play in. So you're watching every score every day. The Lakers lost today. So from the Clippers' standpoint, that's good. That's another loss for a team that's right on their tail. And then Charlotte somehow inexplicably winds up beating Dallas again. And that's another loss for Dallas, who's right behind the Clippers in this race for positioning. So it's just so wild. But the point is, I'd love to see both teams in. I'd love to be able to stay involved with both teams just a little bit longer before the season ends. You know, if both of the teams you're working with get in, they're going to be about 14 teams calling you in the offseason thinking you're the reason why, you know. <laughs> That's good. And I hope I hope my two teams that are in will say that it was because he was doing the games for us. So he's back forever. That's the way to do it. There you go. Cavaliers got in with a win on Sunday night, Mike, and it happened a few hours before we speak right now. They beat up on the Houston Rockets. So they get into the playoffs for the first time without LeBron James. Since 1998, there was something special about that. And we're going to talk about that coming up in a little bit in the show. But in with this Cavaliers team, as we speak now, they're 48 and 28. They've played great ball at home. They're 30 and 8 at home. They're playing better on the road. Mike, they're 18 and 20 on the road right now. Let's, let's talk about this team as a, as a playoff type of team, the way they've been going. Dominating at home is really good. Not so hot on the road. Not what you're looking for, but they have won four of five and five of their last six on the road. Is that enough to change the mentality that they can go and win a playoff game on the road 
And it's the home court dominance that we've seen in the regular season enough to make them think, hey, we have the home court in a playoff series. Jeff, it's incredible that you're mentioning their record that way because we felt that one of the formulas we presented, depending on what the year was, uh, when you set your goals in the beginning of the year, we said 50 wins will get you into the playoffs. And we had a formula for 50 wins. And the formula was at home, we have to win four out of five. Mm -hmm. If you win four out of five, there are eight sets of five in 41 home games. So if you win four out of five, that's eight times thirty. Eight times four is 32. And you have one game left over to play with. Then we said on the road, if we win two out of four, 50%, you know, just multiply it out. There are 10 sets of four with one left over in the road games. So with 10 sets, that would give you 20 wins if you win two out of four. Take the 20, add it to the 32, you're at 52, and you're in the playoffs with two games to play with. And that's how we looked at it with teams that we felt were capable of being 50-win teams. And then you raise your goals higher depending on how good you are and what you want to accomplish. So here the Cavaliers almost right on what I just mentioned to you as far as setting goals, putting them up on the board, checking off if you get a win at home, checking off if you get a win at home, up loss at home, mm -hmm. checking off if you get a win, checking off if you get a win. That series is over. You won four out of five. You're even, and you move on. If you win five out of five, you get a plus one because you, you captured five out of five. So it's exciting to me. Uh, and those goals will allow you to win on the road in the playoffs mm. because you're giving yourself a chance. Okay, you're, you're learning how to win half the games. The other half, who knows? You could have been on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. It could have been your third game in four days. The other team could have been home resting, waiting for you. So there are all kinds of circumstances that can change things on the road. You may have been without a key guy or two in one of those road games. So I would be very encouraged. If they get right at that 50% mark on the road, they've accomplished an awful lot in the regular season. And they've taken advantage of, of some good opportunities. But in the NBA, Mike, a road game's a road game. And they were really pretty poor on the road all year long. To finish strong, I, I think, would be a, a big boost going into the playoffs. You have Donovan Mitchell and the other starters have been playing a lot of minutes, Mike. And in the playoffs, you see that. And the Cavs aren't alone in, in starters playing a lot of minutes. But it's almost as if they're they're in kind of a playoff rotation mode now. At least it feels that way when you watch them and, and just checking all the numbers afterwards. Could that be a really good thing, that this group has really had a chance to to figure out how to play with seven guys, with eight guys, and it's been tight, and they know what they have to do to win games? Not only does it help the players, Jeff, I think understand that they know when they're going to come in. Uh, they know when what he expects, the head coach expects of them. It keeps the other guys on alert, like, hey, on a given night, he might be calling your number and not just going with that eight or eight-plus rotation that he might be using. It helps the coach. Jeff, because he knows when he wants to put somebody in. He knows how many people he wants to use during that game. He's got his plays probably set in his mind for the first unit. 
here's the group of plays I want to use because we have Darius out there. We have um, Donovan out there. Um, here's Mobley at the four spot because Allen's at the five. So here's the group of players I want to call. Now we sub. We've got that next group of three coming in, joining two of the starters. And now I might want to go somewhere differently, either keep putting the ball's hand into the starter that's going to come out soon because he's in the game, he's sweating hard, he's had his shots already, and let the guys coming off the bench get warmed up and break in that way. Or he might want to go at a mismatch immediately with a guy off the bench where he sees the other team can't play that position right now. So we'll go into him right away to see if he can take advantage of that. I, th I think it helps both sides, players and staff, know what they want to do and where they are at the beginning of the game, after halfway during the first quarter, three quarters of the way during the first quarter, end of the first quarter, and then move on from there. And the other guys, you stay ready because there may be a call from you. We never plan on a guy, key guy, first unit guy, picking up two quick fouls in the first minute and a half of a game. But if it happens, what do you do as a coach? Do you trust him, leave him in? and he could pick up his third foul in that first half? Or do you take him out, and now you go to that ninth guy uh, in the rotation because everybody moves up a step because of the early fouls? Does this mean as much, Mike, as it's made out to be so often in the NBA? Uh, the Cavs have a lot of younger guys who are going to be in the playoffs for the first time. Darius Garland, and this doesn't include the playing games. Garland, Okoro, Mobley. Lavert and Allen have played just two series in the playoffs when they were members of the Nets, and they lost both. They won only one out of, of nine games there. Ricky Rubio, even though he's a pro, has played in only two series with the Jazz. The one guy with a ton of playoff experience, obviously, is Donovan Mitchell. He's played in 39 playoff games. Is that as big of a deal, Mike, that they don't have some of the you know guys who have been around the playoffs for a long time as it's sometimes made out to be in the NBA? And why? If you're asking me, is it a factor? It certainly is a factor. Right. Guys who don't have a lot of any or a lot of playoff experience haven't been there before. So you can't say I've done that already. I'll give you, give you a story, Jeff, a cute story about that team you mentioned in 98 when we made the playoffs the last time. Yeah, we're going to go heavy into that coming up in a minute. Well, I'll give you a quick story now on it. Please do. It's, it's appropriate, I think. Going into that, we finished the regular season. We have a team meeting, and you know that we had four rookies on that team. Three of them started, and the other one came off the bench. And then the one that came off the bench, I put into the starting lineup and took one of the other rookies out and had him then coming off the bench. So all four of them actually started at some time during the year. So we're heading into the playoffs. We have a team meeting, and a couple of the guards who happened to be the rookies came up to me and said, you know, coach, we, we heard what you were saying, but maybe maybe you're getting a little bit too uptight. We've been in a lot of big games. You, you know, remember where we went to college, and he said, we've been in a lot of these games, big games, so we'll be going to be fine. I just looked at him and I nodded, and I went, okay. That first playoff game, Jeff, we got beat by Indiana – it was close to 100 points, I thought, at the end of the game when they got done beating up <laughs> on know, us. I, I looked at it, Mike, and I, I didn't write down those numbers, but it was they had Pacers were in the hundreds and you guys were in the 70s. 
Yeah, it was a, a wipeout. And I just remember walking back into the locker room after the game and looking at both of them saying, welcome to the NBA playoffs. This isn't <laughs> college anymore. Oh, so that's pretty to their, good. Credit, their credit, next game they came back and we were up 16 until our big man picked up a third foul in the second quarter and we had to take him out. Then they caught up, they, you know, they cut it back to like six or something at halftime. And then we were trying to hold on. So, but they, they learned their lessons by playing in the games in the NBA, not their college games. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach in Atlanta, Cleveland, and Memphis. I'm Jeff Phelps. We were just talking about in the previous segment, the Cavaliers are in the playoffs for the first time since 1998 without LeBron James. And Mike was just talking about that team and the youth of that team. Mike was the head coach of that team. It featured Sean Kemp and it featured Wesley Person and then four rookies with significant playing time. Zadruna Zilgowskis, Brevin Knight, Derek Anderson, Cedric Henderson, Vitaly Potapenko was on that team, second-year player at the time, Bob Sura, Danny Ferry. And Mike, you took a team with Sean and Wesley and four rookies, basically, and some other players, but four rookies playing big, big minutes into the playoffs. Where's that rank on the Fratello? I did a pretty good job of coaching this team list. <laughs> well, I was just so proud of that group. Uh, the coaches that I had, uh, I had great assistant coaches and, you know, the more we talked and the more we watched and the more we discovered about that team. And whoever made the suggestion at that time that we might be better starting Cedric and bringing Derek Anderson off the bench rather than the way we're playing right now, where we had started Brevin, Zadrunas, and Derek. And the reason was because Wesley was getting beat up physically at the small forward position. He just couldn't guard them. They were too strong for him. But Wesley was about 6'6", but looked like he weighed about 160 pounds, Mike. Right. Yeah, but boy, could he shoot it. He sure could. And he said, let's move him into the backcourt where he has to guard two guards that aren't the same as these small forwards, and that'll take some pressure off him at the defensive end. We can bring Cedric in, 6'8" run, jump, very athletic. He just didn't make shots on a regular basis in that 18 to 20 foot area, but he'd get out on a fast break. He sure could finish above the rim. And he was a terrific defender, long arms, could block shots. So we sat with Derek. We talked to him and said, look, we're going to make this move. He, he wasn't thrilled about the fact that he was going to not start, but I said, but Derek, remember, it's who's on the floor at the end of the game that sometimes is the most important thing. And he was on the floor, basically, at the end of games. But uh, 
Cedric did a great job at the small forward position because he was bigger. He, he caused more problems for the other small forwards. They couldn't get by him off the dribble as easy. And I, I thought that change was key for the team. When we made that move, which was like around the seven, eight, nine game mark, whatever it was that we made that change, we went like a nice little run and started to get some distance between the 500 mark. And, and that was, I think, a significant part of that season. Well, here are the numbers to back up exactly what you're talking about. You guys were, well, you started out kind of going back and forth, but then you won 10 straight games to go out to 14 and six. And then you stayed at least three games over 500 the entire rest of the season. You were never under 500 during that season after that 10 game winning streak. And you had another nice winning streak later in the year. The one thing about that team, Mike, in thinking about this year's team, if you think of the biggest trades this organization's ever made, you know, maybe bringing in World Be Free and then bringing in Sean Kemp and bringing in Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Love certainly as well was a big trade. But I, I kind of relate what you guys did then to what's going on now. You brought in Sean Kemp, who was a perennial all-star, still a young guy. He was in his late 20s. And might not have been quite the same player, but was still really good for you guys. He averaged 18 points, nine rebounds. Next year, he averaged 20 points a game. And you put some other players around him, and Sean made it work. And you guys helped Sean make it work. Donovan Mitchell comes in, other guys, young guys around this team. And Donovan, clearly the leader of the team, and he's made it work. Coaching staff has made it work. Other guys have stepped up. And, and I just wonder what the challenge was there, what the biggest part of that challenge was in, in having a guy step in and immediately just because of who he was and the trade that was made and everything else, he becomes the focal part of everything you're doing, Mike. And, and most importantly, it worked. I think it was a little easier for me than JB from the standpoint that Sean was big brother. Here you have three rookies starting. So like, what are they going to say to Sean Kemp? You know, that you know, might, you know, aggravate him. And then Wesley Person just wasn't the personality to, you know, have conflict with Sean Kemp. So his big brother, and you could say to them, well, down the stretch of the games, guess who we're going with the ball? Who going in to Sean? He's been there. And remember, he made the all-star team that year, which is incredible because he'd come back into 300 pounds and wound up playing at about 280. He shed 20 pounds once they came into camp. And so for me, it was like, hey, guys, this is the man. This guy's done a lot in the league. Guy's been around for a while, and we're going to follow his lead. And then it took some separate sit-downs with Sean to make him understand the responsibility of having these youngsters around him. And you may not be able to be as hard on them as it would be for other veteran players you got to kind of nurture them and understand they're going to make all the mistakes you made way back when you were youngster coming into the league. And I think with the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, to a certain extent, is big brother. When they mm -hmm. need a bucket, when they need a big basket, most likely it's going to be in Donovan's hands. Uh, JB's had to deal with a few other players that have had opportunities in other places before they came here. Uh, but then he's had, the chance to coach some of his homegrown, you know, Darius's and 
Mobley's guys who were part of the Cavs organization from the beginning. But, you know, Allen was part of a Brooklyn team that enjoyed a little bit of success. And he's got the same kind of personality as far as I want to blend in. I want to make this work, whatever it is. Yeah, Donovan at the end of the game. I understand why Donovan's got the ball. He's right. He's the guy. So there are some similarities there. Did you – I'm sure you've looked back at that team, you know, for some time and, and thought about what you guys went through. Was there one thing that stood out to you, Mike, as to why you were able to make the playoffs with all those young guys and Sean Kemp and maybe something that you think – if we had tweaked this, maybe we maybe we get past Indiana in the first round, or was it just you were such a young crew that you were really going to have a tough time doing that? I think part of the reason we enjoyed the success we did as far as number of wins and making it to the playoffs was basketball IQ. You won 47 games in the regular season there. Right, and I think it was because a number of those guys had high, high basketball IQ. Revan Knight was a coach on the floor. And I remember Wayne Embry telling me that before we drafted him. He said, you're going to love this kid. He said, he's a coach on the floor for you. Derek Anderson, high basketball IQ. Zadrunas, Ilgauskas, right. you know, high basketball IQ. So because of that, it helped you get past some of the obstacles you face with rookies sometimes. And, and that allowed them, and they're very competitive people, highly competitive and you combine the two of those, you got a chance to win some games, and they did. Would you tell JB anything? Like, hey, you got a young guy, you got a superstar who's clearly the leader of the team. If you could tell him one thing that might be a nugget that could help him in the playoffs, what might that be? <laughs> I think JB's kind of figured it out already of, you know, what he wanted to do. When, and I don't think he just started this year, I, I, if I'm correct going back to the beginning of last season, JB knew that he wanted to cut the rotation down. And early last year, I, b- I believe he was playing eight and nine guys. That's true. And, and then again, this year in the beginning of the year. So he's figured out what you need to win, what you need, first of all, to win enough games to get in the playoffs. And then he's like, you mentioned earlier, he may be into his, playoff mode right now trying to get them used to settling in and understanding it's going to be these eight and then this guy's nine and if we ever had to this guy's 10 so congratulations coach for making the playoffs uh 1998 a ways back so here you go you you're the next benchmark for when they make it again which i would hope would be next season if everybody stays healthy and now comes the experience for them of getting into the playoffs, understanding what it's about. You and J.B. Bickerstaff, the only Cavs coaches between 1998 and 2023 to make the playoffs without LeBron James on your roster. So well done, sir. Thank you, sir. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello, longtime NBA coach and commentator. I'm Jeff Phelps, but Mike was a college assistant coach for years before jumping into the NBA at a very young age, but but you did your time in college, Mike, and I know that the NCAA tournament this year has been one that, that you've enjoyed, and it's been a, a little bizarre for everybody, and, and I saw this stat. We were, as we're talking now, the Final Four is set. It's the first time since seeding started in 1979 
that no team higher than a fourth seed will be in the final four. The, the number ones, the number twos, the number threes, all gone. First time we're not going to have one of those since seeding started. And let's, let's go over it real quick. It's UConn against Miami in the first semifinal. That's a four seed in UConn who's playing great against the fifth seed Miami. Now, how and do I root for anybody in that game? Because I've got UConn, who's yeah. one of the Hurley sons, okay, coaching the team, whose Dan father, Hurley. Bob Hurley, was a legendary New Jersey coach, Hall of Famer, good friend. So you've got that group there. And then Miami is Jim Laranega, whose son is Jay Laranega, who not only is one of the assistant coaches on the L.A. Clipper bench, but he was one of my assistants in the Ukraine, coaching the Ukrainian national team. What am I supposed to do for that game? Tell me, Jeff. I, I don't – you can't lose. How's that, Mike? Or you can't go out. You stay at home <laughs> so nobody can say, I saw him rooting for so-and-so. Can can you wear a, a Miami Yukon combined shirt, maybe? Trying to have that made up if I you can. might have to get that one made. That's that's a four against a five. And on the other side, you have fifth seed San Diego State against ninth seed Florida Atlantic. That's 38 and three, and they've played great basketball. Now stick with me on this. I, I really need your opinion. You've got a four, two fives, and a nine. Part of me thinks that is one of the most phenomenal things that could happen to college basketball, that you have these other teams that have stepped up, you know, and no, well, four seed is still, you know, your top 16 in the country, right? As far as the rankings go, but none of the top three seeds are there. They're all out a four, two fives and a nine. I think that's great. On the other hand, I've always liked it when you have a program and in, in any sport, whether it be a pro sport or in college football or in college basketball, where, Boy, these are the guys, and you know they're going to be there, and you know, you know you're going to enjoy watching them play. And you're going to Alabama try and knock football, them off. Yankee baseball, Cleveland, exactly. Now Cleveland Indians baseball, okay? exactly. Guys that you put up on the top on the pedestal to start the season out, they're there near the top or at the top the whole year, and now they're in the playoffs, and now they're coming down the backstretch, and you want to see them either get upset because the underdog beats the favorite, or you want to see them go all the way and show their dominance, right? Exactly right. And now they're all already out. Well, I I think I would probably say that it tells me, and it just started, I'll say starting last year, that this transfer portal thing yep. is teams that we don't know are as good as they are we don't know they're the that they're the Guardians. We don't know they're the Yankees. You know, we don't know they're the best in the NFL because they've gotten guys from all over the place now that came in through the transfer portal, and all of a sudden they're a powerhouse. So when you heard of a whether it's Florida Atlantic or Fresno State or Creighton's, you know, these kind of schools that were in there. Um, Miami has been strong all year. People have said it all year. But where did Miami get all the guys from? Did they come in via recruiting, transfer, the portal? I think that's part of the reason, Jeff, why this is happening now. It may happen for a few more years as long as the portal is around. 
during the regular season, if you don't do a careful search and follow where did this guy come from, where did he play before that, they may have been playing in one of the best Division I programs in the country, transfer to a little bit lesser Division I school, but all of a sudden that lesser school is pretty darn good, maybe yeah. as good as the place he left. I, I just wonder. You know, I, I, I'm a little curious what the TV ratings will be like when you get into the semifinals and, and the championship game. And and UConn, Mike, is playing like a team that is that should have been a number one seed, should, certainly shouldn't have been a four seed. They've been destroying everybody. I think every every win they've had has been by 15 points or more, and they, they've looked dominant. But still, it's a really interesting thing when you don't see, you know, the, the, the name brand programs in there. And... I think it might be an equal balance, really good for the NCAA and college basketball and maybe something they need to, to tweak a little bit. But I agree with you. I, I think the transfer portal has changed some things. And when you can keep a team together for two or three years and let these kids grow together, let the coach get used to these kids, you can, you can see what can happen because they're all still just 19, 20, 21 year old kids. Mike, if they're used to playing together, well, that, that, that can be a huge edge against 19, 20-year-old kids who haven't played very much together. Hey Jeff, the biggest – I've watched UConn uh, from the beginning of the year um, because, you know, they're in the same conference and, and league as Villanova, and uh, you know that I'm a strong supporter of Villanova's program. I was an assistant coach there years ago. So I get to see all those teams that play against them, the Providences, the Creightons, uh, Xavier's, and – UConn. And to me, the biggest difference to me is early in the season when I watch UConn, that big man in the middle for them was not nearly as dominant mm. as he has become. And I think that's because after a season of coaching and having a coach like, uh, you know, Danny Hurley, coaching him and working with him and developing him, I think the message has finally gotten across him that, you know what, I'm not a bad player. I'm, in fact, I'm pretty good. And I don't think the rest of these guys around me are big, as big as I am, as strong as I am, as agile and athletic as I am. And I can score points for these people every night and really get on the glass. And to me, just watching his growth during the four or five times I watched him play during the course of the year. And now you watch him, he's a force to be handled with. So to me, that's one of the primary reasons where they are where they are right now. So we're closing things out. Uh, we'll leave us with this. We'll keep an eye on the NCAA semifinals. Can't wait for that. If it's as entertaining as it's been all the way up, it's going to be a great semifinals and then a championship game. We'll pull for your Clippers. Right now, I look at the standings. They're a half game behind the Phoenix Suns for the fourth spot. That sounds good. That sounds really good. But as we've talked about, they're only three games out of not even being in the play-in tournament. So they've got to win some games just to make sure you get there. And the Cavaliers sitting two games behind the 76ers. Cavs are in fourth place. Sixers are in third. And now there's five and a half games between the Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. So the Cavs sitting pretty for the fourth spot, Mike. Can they catch Philly? I'll say yes, they can, because Philly has been so inconsistent uh, during the course of the year. They'll go on a stretch and win seven, eight games in a row. And then all of a sudden they drop three out of four or four out of five. So, yeah, could something happen down the stretch that, you know, Philly's not at the top of their game and then Cleveland keeps winning their games. And also, Jeff, I think before we get off, if you don't mind, we probably should 
give some love out there to the women's teams Ooh. that are playing in the NCAA women's tournament. And you to want to you want a powerhouse and and want them to go into the finals undefeated to have somebody have a chance of upsetting South Carolina. Well, there's your powerhouse there for the women. And as we're doing this show right now, Iowa is up 20, okay, Ooh. in their game. So they're going to move on to the next round. And they were down 8 nothing to Louisville at the beginning of that game. Yeah, well, they were up 20 about uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. Wow. So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, teams like the Perennials, the Yukons, and the Tennessees, and the teams we're used to seeing over and over again for the w women's basketball uh, hasn't been quite the same year. But, you know, in UConn's case, you got the player of the year sitting out. You know, when Paige can't play, then UConn's not the same team. And uh, I thought Ohio State did an incredible job of pressing them into turnover after turnover after turnover and capitalized on so many of them for scores. So Ohio State is a good Good basketball team. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's the NBA, if it's college, if it's women's college basketball, if it's Ukrainian national team, if it's international ball, Mike Fratello, you're the man. Well done. What else are you going to do in your hotel room, right? <laughs> we won't answer that. We'll talk to you next time. It's Basketball Gold with Fratello. He's Mike Fratello, and I'm Jeff Phelps. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway, for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER.